offering a most humble pranam at Bhagwan's lotus feet. Dear listeners, we welcome you to this week's afternoon satsang. We're going to continue with the story of Ramakatara Swaini as always, and with me is Arvind and with prayers to Swami, we would like to begin. But as always, we begin by taking the name of the Lord so beautifully and sweetly rendered as we listen every week. And even as this fades, we will step into another beautiful afternoon satsang on the Ramayana. Sri Rama Rama Rame Di Rame Rame Manorame Sahasranamatatulyam Ramanamavaranane Sairam everyone, offering our humble pranams at Bhagwan's lotus feet and the feet of Lord Hanuman, who is sitting and enjoying the story of Rama wherever in the world it is being rendered. Vibhishna, the brother of Ravana, has come and surrendered at the feet of Rama. And last week we heard the promise that Rama gives. He says that, <coughs> excuse me. I do not care about the affiliations, I do not care about the uh, nature or the past of anyone who surrenders at my feet. One who totally and wholeheartedly surrenders to me, irrespective of the past, I shall take him under my refuge, I shall grant him protection and I I shall ensure that his life is redeemed. This is a promise that that Rama gives and uh, though Vibhishna seems to be the direct beneficiary of Rama's promise. I think we can definitely extrapolate it to all the devotees as a promise from the Lord. Rama here represents the Lord and Vibhishna represents the devotee. So it is the promise of the Lord to a devotee saying that irrespective of what your past is, you know, because we have come through multiple lifetimes and as multiple beings. So we have no idea of what our past is. And uh, if we have to work out the karmas of all the past lives, of the current life, past time, everything, it becomes possibly very, very difficult and possibly impossible to break out of the chain because uh, even as we try to work out the karmas of past births, we are creating new karmas in this current birth. So therefore, it is the easiest option to surrender wholeheartedly at the Lord's lotus feet. Of course, it's a, it's possibly a matter of an entire discussion altogether as to what this true surrender means. Surrendering is not just about giving up everything to the Lord. It's not an emotional decision. It's something far, far deeper. And therefore, it's not also like some uh, kind of a free ticket saying that, hey, I have surrendered to the Lord, now I'm fine. 
we have to understand what surrender means but once we understand surrender and we truly surrender rama promises on behalf of god to the devotee that all your past all your future your present everything is taken care of and this is my ratam etan ratam mama that's what he says this is my vow this is my vow and it is very uh, interesting that this vow comes in the rama avatar because rama is known for three uh, three what can we say three characteristics that define that avatar it is eka bana eka patni and eka vachana one wife one arrow and one world in the sense he will not cast his eyes on any other woman it's only his wife he once an arrow is taken onto his bow from the quiver there is no going back on it that arrow is definitely released and it fulfills its destiny and the word that he gives like the arrow he releases there's no going back on that so very interesting that the ramavatar gives this vow of total protection and taking care of the devotee once he or she surrenders and i think that is where we had reached last week where vibhishna is jubilant and overjoyed at this protection given and though he is from the enemy camp he now becomes a part of lord rama's team and now comes the herculean task ahead of bridging the two land masses bharat and lanka so that the armies can cross over and wage the war against the demon king and uh, even as you are talking about uh, surrender i'm sure that we will be going into that in the other satsang which you're doing that now with the bhakti mm. i think one of the uh, aspects we'll be covering is surrender but it it just uh, kind of reminds me of the similarity between what we think as surrender you know we you can do anything and get away with it if you surrender if that's how we are looking at it it's it's almost like these multinational companies and banks which are filing for bankruptcy you know hmm. trying to not take responsibility for what they've done and uh, you know filing for bankruptcy kind of relieves you of all that debt burden which is created i think that's why it's very important to realize that when you say surrender to the lord I mean past you have no control over but it is a conscious decision that henceforth you know i i belong to the lord and the lord's word will become my guiding light and i think that's what defines surrender and that's that's precisely what has happened with vibhishna even before that this moment where he comes and says i've surrendered to the lord and as you said it's so important also reminded one of my classmates said once shared with me Mm. that he had written a letter to sami about some of the problems in his uh, family and he'd given it to sami and uh, it was not resolving i think one day sami told him that don't worry i'll take care and uh, but this boy was repeatedly writing letters to sami saying that sami this problem is not it solved at one point uh, when he gave a letter again sami looked at him did not take the letter and sami said you don't have to keep reminding me <laughs> sami said if i give my word once it is given if i've told you that i will take care of it i will definitely take care of it you don't have to remind me again and again and needless to say that boy said that he never wrote a letter to sami about anything after that because he realized that sami doesn't have to be reminded at all actually whenever um, personally i received any kind of experience from sami be it a dream experience or an experience physical or metaphysical where you are sitting in the darshan hall and sami is giving darshan but without him actually physically doing anything to you you experience something i always made it a point to write it down in my diary and i feel this is a very good habit this is a very good practice because just as you said uh, the lord doesn't need reminding 
but we definitely need reminding you know because when things go bad when the chips are down we suddenly feel forsaken we feel that possibly god has forgotten that is the reason we again you know try to pray and try to write a letter or do whatever we do you know in order to remind the lord that hey i am still in a desperate situation uh, i'm saying this because you know uh, recently i have been i think i mentioned it in previous satsang also i have been stuck up with a kind of an air conditioner problem where it's not getting resolved and i have to contact customer support multiple times we treat god as one massive customer support it's just that uh, customer support is uh, problem based and uh, product based but we take god to be the customer support for everything and we think that yeah like any other customer support beyond a particular point he also needs reminders uh, and just like we would do at a customer support first two times we do it lovingly pleasingly can you do it two three times later we call and we are angry we are upset we get frustrated we shout and you know that's what we actually do with god also we treat him like one big massive customer support that is not necessary as swami beautifully told that student and through him to all of us and that's why i feel whatever the lord says or whatever it does we write it down so that or we write it down or we record it in some way some manner possible you know maybe make a audio journal or a video journal whatever so that we can relive this over and over again in order to reinforce our own patience and our own perseverance because when it comes to the world possibly we need to follow up and do other things but when it comes to god once he has given the word it's a given word and nothing is going to change it it's just a, a matter of we patiently waiting and not getting frustrated or irritated or angry during the wait because once the lord delivers on his word which 100% he always does out of personal experience i'm saying we often end up looking back at the days when we were frustrated when we were irritated and when we cursed the lord and feel like real absolute fools and feel so embarrassed and and more than that we have, we, we would have lost an opportunity to grow dearer to the lord because here was a chance where we could you know show the lord our faith in him not that he doesn't know but it's a kind of reinforcement for our own self as to how much faith we have in the lord and we just let go of the opportunity because at the slightest dip we started criticizing and condemning and therefore i feel anything that happens we should note it down in some way or the other and keep revisiting those and when we revisit those times we are also revisiting revisiting those divine positive feelings we felt when that happened and that is one good way and one powerful way to keep ourselves uh, positive and patient while we are waiting for what we think is the lord's delay in fact uh, you know many people have this habit of when they write a letter to swami and they say that swami this problem is there they would make it a point to write a letter again to swami when the problem gets solved Hmm. so much like an update you know swami does not need the prayer swami does not need the update but it's it's such a uh, important thing to do when you when you write a letter of gratitude it as you said you know when you write it down one thing is you you revisit i know some people who would always keep a copy of the letter they give to swami oh okay you know, they would make hmm. they write two letters and one will be given and one will be filed counter filed <laughs> <Right. laughs> they go back and say okay what are the prayers you have made over the years so that apart even when you you put down your thoughts like when you're grateful to swami and very happy that something has been done and you've prayed and it's happened putting down in a gratitude letter actually it's a very very important thing to do and i, I i'm not sure uh, whether i mean I've, 
I, where I heard it, but apparently a couple of times Swami has even asked some people, you know, you never told me what has happened to that thing after that issue. Because, you know, when we when we are in need, we have that uh, urge to write to Swami and remind Swami that here you have, have a problem. But when it comes to that, after that uh, problem is sorted out, we again go back to that state where Swami always anyway knows. Correct. It's very important to actually, you know, make a point of expressing that gratitude because it's not that Swami wants that gratitude but expressing gratitude is always a good thing for us we need it actually right i'm reminded of that uh, popular joke of a man visiting heaven and uh, he being given a guided tour he's taken to one section extremely busy lot of work going on he asks what is this he says this is a part uh, this is the uh, section of heaven where we receive prayers so he can make out that a lot of prayers are being received and there are hundreds of devas and angels and demigods working there, you know, to receive the prayers. Then he's taken to another section where, again, it's heavy traffic, lot of work going on. What is that section? This is a section where we dispatch granted prayers. So again, <laughs> a lot of prayers are being granted. And finally, he visits the third part, which is empty, hardly a soul. There's one person walking around just looking out for any work, if, it, if at all there is. Yes, what is this section? He says, no, this is our uh, acknowledgement section where people acknowledge the prayers granted which they have received. And that is empty because <laughs> uh, prayers are there only as long as we are in trouble. The moment we are out of trouble. So I think that's a point for you, Arvind. After your AC is sorted out, you have to call up the customer <laughs> care and thank them. And thank them, yes. Yes, see, that is also, we don't do that also, you know, we, we don't, don't do, do that. that. Right. We shout at them, but we don't do that. That's a very valid point. I think I will keep it in mind. <laughs> Coming back to the story, I mean, as you said, it's it's such an important thing to remember this this uh, verse or this promise that Rama has given. I remember an, another staff in a university sharing this thought. You know, same thing. You know, he had a problem and he tried reminding Swami, and Swami very very uh, very sternly told him. Swami said, "What is my name?" <laughs> you know, mm. he said, "This is Satya Sai Baba. Once if I utter a word, it becomes Satyam. I have told I am going to take care of you." And it's, it is true for eternity now. It's not for this problem, it's forever. And that's what he's saying. I mean, this might be in, in a different yuga, but it holds true even to today. And what was given to Vibhishana, I think we, have, we might not be as noble as Vibhishana, but nevertheless, if we make that conscious effort to surrender to the Lord, and He's definitely there to look out for us. And now comes to the question as to how they are going to cross the ocean. One among the Vanaras, they... I think uh, before this, that uh, uh, there is that spy who comes in. Huh, yes. The the spy is actually... Yeah, it comes to that. What okay, actually happens okay. is that there is a dilemma on how to br- build the bridge. Mm-hmm. And as this discussion is going on, that is when the right, spy right, comes right, in. Right. So this discussion is going on and one of the Vanaras suggests to Rama that uh, the ocean or Sagara or Samudra, Samudra Deva as he is called, uh, he owes a debt to the ancestors of Rama. We had, I think, in the beginning, possibly nearly two years back when we started this Ramkathara Savahini, that time we had spoken about the sons of Sagara, the hundred sons. and So, that is the debt he is owing here. And uh, so they say that since he owes you a debt, you could possibly ask for a pathway to be dried up through the ocean so that you know we can make our way over there. And so, so such plans are going on, such... De- um, debates are going on that is when as you mentioned they locate a spy spy by name Shuka I think yeah mm-hmm. Shuka is there a spy 
from lanka he has been sent by ravana to gather info on the strength of the enemy at the same time if possible spread fear in the enemy about the strength that lanka possesses the might that lanka possesses uh, actually it's a foolish attempt because rama has already received all the updates in case he requires them from hanuman and he <laughs> you know he would have also received the update that hanuman is singly capable of burning down the whole of lanka still shuka has come here and that is when you know shuka is caught just like hanuman gets caught in lanka shuka gets caught over here by the vanaras and this is one interesting thing prem the way the rakshasas treat hanuman is the is just the same as the way the vanaras are treating shuka you know there is no difference like the rakshasas try to harm hanuman that's exactly what the vanaras try to do there they are not able to do it because it's hanuman here they almost succeed you know they they uh, take him to sugriva the lord uh, their king the king monkey and he tells yes you know chop off chop off his hands chop off his limbs chop off his nose whatever you know and they are ready to do that and this shuka this poor spy is pleading for mercy because he is telling don't don't kill me when i was reading this part i just felt you know see the difference like on the face of it it appears that there is no difference between the demons and the vanaras they are just the same they have the same kind of you know hatred towards the enemy and just don't don't spare him don't allow him to get out alive and all this this kind of feeling and yet at the same time the vanaras possibly the only thing they have done right is they have surrendered at the feet of the lord True. while there they have surrendered at the feet of the world at the feet of might at the feet of yeah ravana represents the world and its attractions i feel again the powerful message over here is yeah we we it's not as if that we need to be the perfect people to surrender at, to i mean to uh, be of use for the lord we have seen uh, in our own lifetimes how swami makes use of people who are very noble at the same time people who are rajasik in nature people who are tamasik in nature different natures people have come to swami and all of them have sanctified their life in association with him with his touch and i feel that is the magic about dedicating our life for the lord because it it's something like a it erases your entire uh, back slate you know makes it clear clean and irrespective of your kinds of tendencies vasanas or whatever may be your negatives the lord's grace ensures that even those negatives get turned into positives which can uh, which can aid in the divine mission and that is another powerful lesson i feel over here because as far as this episode goes the only difference between the vanaras and the rakshasas is that the vanaras have surrendered to rama while the rakshasas have surrendered to kama That's absolutely it. because you know when uh, the same thing happened to hanuman it was vibhishna who comes and says you know messenger should not be treated like this a messenger should not be killed hmm but it's the same thing which is happening here they catch sukai and they try to uh, you know mutilate him i think that's what uh, is the attempt and finally it is uh, Lakshmana Lakshmana who comes forward and he says no this is not how we should be treated in fact speaks to him very lovingly and uh, calms him down hmm. and this is an interesting thing actually I mean you will see a number of places where Lakshmana comes and calms down the situation here <laughs> you know because many times we think of Lakshmana as the one who's always angry who's always uh, you know ready to pick up a fight and uh, you know even when the case where Bharata comes when they are in the forest we often have this idea in mind that lakshmana is the one who who jumps into conclusions and who kind of takes hasty decisions impulsive, huh? impulsive. 
but actually in many places it is he who comes and calms down in fact uh, probably there's no uh, explanation about that but he plays the role of somebody who takes care of rama during that time when they you know looking for sugriva when rama is very despondent apparently it is lakshmana who is actually playing that you know the role of somebody who calms the nerves down who's you know playing that uh, lu- lubricating uh, effect he brings in and it's surprising because he, even here he does the same thing he is the one who comes and says no this is not right let's not treat him badly and let's spare his life and he writes a message for uh, ravana and in fact even tells sukha what the message is saying that the same thing what you know you come and uh, surrender at the feet of rama rama is very compassionate he has the you know broad heart to accept anybody who forgive who seeks forgiveness and so you come and this is the last opportunity for you come and offer mother sita at his feet and if you don't uh, take this opportunity you are headed towards death not only you your entire kingdom why do you want to take your kingdom into this path of ruin and when he writes this letter it is in a very very firm tone uh, there is no mincing of words he is just putting down the facts bare plain bare and he writes it down and he tells shukar to go and uh, you know give this to his lord at that point in time it's amazing how shuka you know who is a spy from ravana's side he has this pining to have the darshan of lord rama this is amazing you know this is amazing it's it's like how we discussed in that satsang i came i saw i got conquered that's what happens he's a spy from the enemy side and he has come to actually uh dig information out and Uh, inflict some kind of a moral moral loss on the people but he now wants to have darshan of lord rama in fact he gets his padnamaskar from rama and as swami writes he leaves he leaves the shores where the vanaras are by shouting jai jai kar to rama <laughs> he shouts victory slogans to rama and goes back towards lanka the name rama where we had discussed it means ramyate di rama that which attracts i feel that holds good to the lord you know whoever it might be whether you come to the lord in order to love him or whether you come to the lord to hate him you will end up being lost in awe for the lord and being lost in your love for the lord that is what happens to anybody who comes to the lord because that is that is the nature of divine love and it need not be physically expressed for one person to understand it because even when we look at the experience of many devotees with swami many of them have not had the opportunity of personal interaction with him either in interview room or even during the darshan lines some of them their only interaction is just looking at him or him looking at them or not even that much they just see him during darshan but that in itself has transformed their life and they definitely credited to divine love which shows us the power of divine love it doesn't need actually a physical interaction or it's not as if now if i come to swami how can i receive his divine love i have come 4 years too late nothing like that it's never too early never too late when it comes to the lord because we come to the lord at the perfect time and no no um, obstacle can exist whether it's time or space between the lord and us irrespective of the time irrespective of the space irrespective of any other constraint we can get touched by the divine love if the lord so wills and that is what i think we can learn from the episode of shuka going back to lanka singing the glories of rama thrilled 
by touching the feet of rama and uh, you know what he would uh, undergone in that period because uh, according to the valmiki raman it is believed that sukha actually stays for 3 or 4 days or maybe even longer in the camp of the vanaras hmm. because apparently he's been injured by then you know by the time he's allowed to uh, go back to lanka so it seems lord rama tells him that you know you can stay till you recoup he say i mean he won't be able to leap across that ocean so he is allowed to stay back and recoup his energy and then go so as you said you know been there is so much of similarity in the way the vanaras and the rakshasas are behaving but here is somebody who is able to marshal that same uh, you know rawness to in such in such a manner that you know it doesn't affect anybody or harm anybody so i think that was what would have thrilled uh, somebody like shuka i mean those three or four days probably he would have been a guest in that camp and the way he was treated and then when he returns it's quite understandable the way he speaks in ravana's court because <laughs> he speaks in a manner which just would have enraged ravana he would have uh, he would have reached very overwhelmed uh, i'm reminded from the scene in the movie shirdi ke sai baba mm-hmm. where i think uh, nana Ch- nana saheb chandorkar you know he is a very high government official right. and uh, therefore he commands over uh, several police officers in the area and one such police officer is das ganu right actually i think his name is something else he becomes das ganu Ganpat later on ganpatrao ganpatrao ganpat ha yes right. something so uh, he is a quiet uh, uh, if i can say haughty and uh, hot headed at the same time very efficient kind of officer and nana Chan- nana saheb chandarkar he is he has heard about this shridi baba so he tells him you go see there some it looks like there some Uh, fakir who has come there and i think he is conning people so you go and find out the truth about the matter and this police officer comes here and he tries all his stratagems in order to make shirdi baba crack but ultimately the same thing happens he has gone there he has seen and he gets conquered and he becomes das ganu das ganu yeah ganpatrao ganu is a short form of ganpatrao padavi and das meaning servant he becomes a servant of sai and he goes and there is this dialogue where he tells um his master that you should definitely see shirdi baba and his master says no i am not interested nana saheb chandorkar says i am not interested later on in life he becomes a great devotee of baba but at that point in time he says i am not interested and that time he says lord see let it not happen that everywhere where you walk you walk ahead and i walk behind you <laughs> in this greatest walk of our life let it not happen that i am walking ahead of you and you are walking behind me please here also go ahead and you know that is how we encourages so that is the kind of influence and impact uh, a master the lord has on you you know he and that is the kind of impact that has happened on shuka also just like how das ganu goes back and tells his master that you know master you are luckier than me you are you are my boss in every other sense only in this greatest journey i seem to have become your boss the way das ganu tells it to nana saheb chandorkar that way shuka tells to ravana he says you know <laughs> uh, but before that before he can even open his mouth it's ravana who starts off the conversation he asks how is that pest vibhishana he compares vibhishana to a pest right. who has been bred in the granary called lanka so he asks how is that pest because he has eaten here and he has done nothing but negative over here and finally he has gone over to that side and he also asks whether have you conveyed to the enemy camp what is our might what is our glory what is our splendor 
and he has also asked whether you did you gauge the strength of the vanar army so all these questions are put uh, though these are the questions to which ravana is very eager to know the answers shuka has something else at the uppermost in his mind which he wants to convey to ravana before he answers these questions and that is precisely what he does the foremost in his mind is the glory of rama and that's why he starts narrating what he has come to know there in the three days and the foremost among that is the fact that vibhishana has been crowned king right he tells him that how one of the first things to happen was vibhishana has been crowned king of lanka even before the campaign begins and uh, i mean we could imagine what ravana's uh, reaction to that was <laughs> but he also goes on to explain you know what is the might which is there on the other side of the ocean hmm. in the form of this army because what he reveals is something which probably gives us a perspective of what was you know imminent in the form of that war because the numbers that he says he says you know it's not any ordinary army there it's not just some monkeys on the other side we also what one monkey to, could do to lanka and what i saw there was an ocean of monkeys and you know all different ages it's not like all of them are like hanuman or all of them are older than hanuman or anything like that he said every age or every uh, you know the young ones the old ones the wise monkeys they're very very mighty monkeys they're huge they're small in all sizes and he says you won't believe that there are you know 18 padmas that's the word uh, he mentions 18 that's a count which i think is staggering it's a number which exactly. is exactly you know uh, <laughs> uh in in the indian system of counting we have got a n- number called crores a crore is supposed to be 100 lakhs right. up to oh, lakh it's 10 common 10 million right yes 10 million so if 10 million is 1 crore so 100 crores make one arab and 100 arabs make one kharab and 100 kharabs make one neel and 100 neels make one padma so one padma is 10 to the power of 15 so it's one followed by 15 zeros and there are uh, and vibhishna says that there are 18 not vibhishna sorry shuka 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 tells ravana that there are 18 padmas that is the approximate count that i could make out and he says each of these padmas one padma is 10 to the power of 15 10 to the power of 15 that is one regiment or one battalion whatever you call it like that there are 18 of them and each of them is led by a hero like the kind who you saw here he tells him he tells ravana you you saw one guy right here 18 such guys are there who are capable of single handedly destroying whole of lanka you remember what happened he killed your own son akshay kumara he reminds ravana he says akshay kumara your brave son his name itself means means akshaya meaning infinity such a brave warrior was killed by one such warrior on their side and they have 18 such warriors he names many of them also dvivida mainda nala neela angada vikata dandimukha kesari kumuda daja gavaksha jambavanta sugriva hanuman you know he names out all these people and then he says you know they are waiting to tear down lanka because the mere mention of the name ravana throws them into fit of fury and he has experienced the fury of the vanaras the uh, this is his way of saying what they would have possibly done to him he says that they were going to maim me torture me and butcher me off it's just lakshmana it's just the compassion of rama that saved me and i feel it's only that compassion that can save you ravana because in might there so much 
and i think the reason why he tells ravana first that vibhishana has been crowned king of lanka is possibly to show that see it's not only about them possessing such great physical strength this is the kind of confidence they are having you know even before starting a war they have already crowned somebody as the emperor of lanka and you know the only thing is possibly uh, shuka was just a little bit too late and he missed that fact where rama said if ravana comes and surrenders to me now i'll make him the king of ayodhya possibly shuka had known that maybe that might have been a tempting offer for ravana but as they say vinashakale viprita buddhi i think this statement we will be making it again and again in this course of this discussion when the time of uh, death or your imminent end is there your brain ceases to function that's what happens i think even if ravana had known that rama is ready to give up ayodhya his ego wouldn't have allowed him to bend his head that's why ravana is pictured as 10 heads you know one head itself we become so strong headed and we have so much ego imagine what happens when you have 10 heads i don't think he would have been ready to bow his 10 heads at the feet of rama so this is what shuka tells after which there is almost a nuclear blast from ravana right it just reminds me of uh, what valmiki ramayana says about the conversation which hanuman has with mother sita when you know sita expresses this fear of you know how can rama come and you know this is such a mighty city ravana is so powerful that's when hanuman actually tells her he says you know when you have to send somebody on a work will you send somebody who is of importance or will you send somebody who is junior like even within uh, you know radio say you want to pass a information to somebody you want to send somebody you you pick up somebody who is the junior most or somebody who is you know in the lower level of uh, the, the hierarchy right the hierarchy will be sent for passing on a message so hanuman says i have been sent here so i am actually a junior in the army then imagine an army where my seniors are there you know that's that's precisely what uh, you know suka is telling here you know that monkey which came here was just one of them and probably he is the junior most and the younger compared to those who are there waiting to come and pound the city in you know he says if you, if i had a thousand tongues i could not describe you how mighty that army is that's how strong it is and now it's understandable you know probably he would have spent a few days over there seeing that entire army and how you know their their loyalty to rama was as strong as their hatred for ravana just that mention of the name was kind of firing them up and that's precisely what fires up ravana now when he listens to this he says you know i send you on a probably a task probably ravana would have thought that what hanuman did to lanka coming as a messenger of rama shuka will probably shuka will do to the camps of you know rama but here it's it's a it's a reverse thing which has happened because he has come with uh, news of how mighty the other side of the army is it uh, for ravana it must have been like uh deja vu what hanuman came and did the shuka is also coming and doing i mean <laughs> what is the difference so ravana's response is explosive but i think before we go to that res- explosive response we will take a little break here dis- dear listeners and after the break on the other side of it we will continue with what happens between ravana and shuka and then what happens on the seashore there because let's not forget all said and done they have not yet come to a conclusion as to how they'll cross the ocean that's another story in itself all that after this little break so catch you on the other side of this break
Welcome back dear listeners. We are at the point where the entire army is at the ocean and the they are still deliberating of how to cross that uh, I think 100 yojanas. Correct. That is, that is what is the distance between the two shows. So how are they going to cross it? And uh, I think uh, I mean any of us who have observed monkeys will know that monkeys have a kind of a repulsion towards water. I mean, you would always see that even in, in uh, cities which are on the banks of a river. You see that monkeys will never come near the place where there is water. Mm. It's always there. So, we, in in many ways, actually, it's a, it's a very symbolic thing, uh, especially people who speak about this part. It is it is about, uh, you know, when very often you say monkey and you refer it, you draw a similarity between the mind and the monkey. So, this is when, you know, the mind is forced to do something which is which it is usually scared of. Hmm. And when led by the Lord, it even accomplishes and overcomes that which is its most, uh, you know, greatest fear. In this episode of the entire army of monkeys crossing over that ocean, which is not just, you know, a, a small puddle or a small stream or anything. It, it's like hundred yojanas, which means after a certain point, you don't see land on both sides. You know, that's hmm. the distance. To be able to cross that fear, it's it's almost like the last barrier for the monkey army as such. I mean, after that, I think Lanka would have been just nothing at all. So this distance, how do they cross? And that's when uh, I think Vibhishana gives the suggestion that, you know, the Sagara owes a debt to your lineage. So you can, mm. uh, you can in fact, pray to him to give uh, part way and give a passage for the entire army to cross. And uh, according to the Valmiki Ramayana, they say that you know Rama sits in front of the ocean for three full days and three full nights, hmm. seeking, praying. praying, and you know seeking permission so that the entire army can pass. But when that doesn't happen, that's when Rama asks Lakshmana to get his bow and arrow. He gets. Uh, it's almost like Rama is in a fury. In fact, the way Swami writes it, I'm not able to actually get those words. Uh, it's so beautifully written in the book, uh, things like uh, a drunk person deserves no mercy, uh, a murderer. Uh, very beautiful. I think probably we could read out that. It's, uh, I mean, that's the beauty of the Ramakathara Swami, where you know, Swami puts some very important lessons in the form of dialogues. Hmm. Right? So, Swami makes these different comparisons in order to show how uh, negligent or how... Uh, what can we say, how ignorant the ocean has been. Because if you are not ready to listen to the Lord's word, it is a sin in itself. I remember once, you know, when I was speaking to Bhagya sir, and Bhagya sir was saying about the different things that Swami had told him to do and how he had done it and how it had been very difficult. But still, when the Lord says you should do and all this, that is when I asked him that, sir, when Swami tells you to do something, it becomes so clear and easy for you to uh, for you to do it because that is what Swami has said. Why doesn't he tell everything? Uh, he told me an answer which I shall never forget. He said that it is a myth if you think it's you know it's your own foolish thinking uh, to feel that one Swami says it's very easy to do it. It is the truth that when the Lord gives a task, He also gives you the strength to accomplish it. But the way you have to exercise that strength. You know, it it might get really tough. You might actually wish for a situation where the Lord didn't tell you anything. <laughs> so therefore, Swami doesn't tell. Even if He tells, Swami will not say directly. Because 
the sin of direct disobedience the sin of disobedience to the lord's word which are directly given to you it is too immense because if the lord gives you a subtle message you know just gives a hint or indicates what you need to do it's not a very clear message even if you don't do it you know if you disobey the lord the lord can forgive you saying this after all it was given in a very tangential manner it was given in a subtle manner not a direct manner but when a direct message is disobeyed like you know i remember uh, once not once recently when people were asking me asking me about this sukshma baba and all these things that is when i actually recounted this incident this uh, interaction i had with bhage sir and i said that see here it's a direct message where swami has said that i come directly to you i will not come through an intermediary so i am not i said that i am not ready to take the risk of such a big sin you know of disobeying something that swami has directly said like this forget following swami's words to the hilt and i mean forget all understanding what swami wants and doing it the way lakshmana does you know sukshma buddhi of lakshmana is such that even before rama can express what he wants he realizes it that's what we saw in the case of shurpanaka that's what we saw in the case of the wedding between rama and sita we may not be at, at the stature and level of uh, of lakshmana but can't we be in that level where what you have directly heard swami tell you can't we obey that because if we disobey a direct command as swami has told bhagya sir it is a great sin bhagya sir was telling me that it's a great sin that if you disobey a direct command from the lord and that's why out of his infinite compassion and mercy the lord doesn't give you a direct instruction as much as possible because in case you don't disobey in case you don't obey and you disobey that uh, the lord can find some room to wriggle you out and say that hey papam you know he didn't know and forgive so in order that is also the lord's compassion that he doesn't directly communicate some things but wherever he has communicated things directly we better follow it and over here you know while reading the book in order to justify in order to when i was thinking what is it that made rama so angry i feel this is a direct disobedience by sagara first of all sagara owes a debt of gratitude to rama on top of it rama is pleading for 3 days and 3 nights and you're not you know not bothering to even present yourself before rama what audacity it is what arrogance it is that is why rama picks up a arrow and he says the truth you know actually i need not pray i need not pray to sagara i am doing things the perfect way but in order to do it perfectly if you are not cooperating if you are disobeying a direct command of the lord i shall dry up sagara and we shall march across and he picks up the arrow and as he is about to release it that is when you know sagara makes an appearance it's almost like when rama lost his temper lost in temper in courts immediately the response was there sometimes the lord will have to descend to our level in order to make us understand many times you know swami tells us nicely do this don't do that and we don't listen you know even in this case of the sukshma baba that is exactly what happened you know i feel funny even calling it sukshma baba the sukshma stuff there was this person who was narrating as to how he heard swami's discourses where swami is saying don't go and all that but still he felt let me just go and then he says in his dream the way swami came and ripped him apart he began to shiver and he said no no i don't want to go there i'll just stay back and i'll whatever swami guides me i will do that way 
Now I was thinking, why is it that you needed Swami to come in that Rudra Rupa and tell you, you know, don't go there. They must be, <laughs> that is where I feel that sometimes the Lord has to descend to our level in order that we understand. Otherwise, we will always take him for granted. So that is what Rama does over here. And in all his anger, as he takes out the arrow, there Sagara appears before him and he says, Lord, stop, don't do it. I mean, it's, it's very true when, when you say that, uh, even as you were saying that Swami can tell us directly, it calls for a lot of surrender. When you talk of surrender, Mm. what goes with that is that ability to obey Swami because I have seen sometimes you know there was once a junior of mine I've seen this happen in front of my eyes this boy was uh, you know Swami used to talk to him a lot Swami used to give him a lot of guidance Swami told him what subject to take and he was in his 11th or 12th at the time so when he came to his 12th his father had very strictly told him that you know you have to apply for the IITs so this boy did not have the engineering right mean. engineering this boy did not have the guts to go against his father or you know say anything to him but he had this fear what if swami sees me and asks me what are you going to do after your 12th and when swami asks you you are supposed to say swami tell me what i am yeah. supposed to do you know you, you can't tell swami swami i have decided already that i am going to go for engineering so this boy you know was in that fix of, he did not know how to handle the situation if it arose right and at the same time you can't you know, run away from having Swami's darshan. So he would come and sit behind the tall boys and try to hide behind them, not show Swami his face, so that that situation will not arise where Swami will see him and ask him, you know, what are you doing or what are you planning to do after your 12th standard? Of course, it's completely silly, but, you know, this is what happens. You know, we think that it's very easy when given a direct command, but it involves a lot of things. I mean, how many of us have really have the guts to stand up and say that this is what Swami has told and I will do it? And I will do, I mean, precisely all of these things which we go through, you know, the case of Vibhishana, the case of all these devotees, it needs a lot of pushing from all sides for you to, you know, take that leap of faith. And that's what it, it really means when you say, you know, when you talk of phenomenons like this, which people are not able to resist the temptation to go after. Hmm. That's what it is, you know, you, to be able to stand up and say that this is what Swami has told clearly and I have to go by it, however much I'm tempted to you know, follow all these other things. And coming back to that uh, particular dialogue with Swami writes, where, you know, Rama gets up and in anger, why he decides to take up the uh, bow and arrow. Because it's very interesting, you know, uh, a seemingly insignificant moment. You know, probably Swami could have just glossed over it and said that this is what happened and then the ocean rose. But at this point, Swami is giving a very profound message. Probably we'll just read out those four lines where Swami says, you know, when... Uh, Rama is about to shoot the arrow. He says, Haughty people deserve no kindness. Hmm. Mischievously cruel people deserve no softness. Misers by nature deserve no moral teaching. Hmm. Egotistic persons deserve no advice. Greedy people cannot benefit from insistence or renunciation. People striken with anger deserve no counsel on being at peace. Mm. Lust crazy victims deserve no scriptural readings. Mm-hmm. Saline fields deserve no seeds of grain. And in the same way, Sagara deserves no mercy. That is that is how right. Rama completes and picks up the arrow. And Sagara appears and he says that Lord, you know, please forgive me, but uh, my nature is to be the ocean. I can't be the path. In, in fact, before that, actually. Uh, the moment Rama picks up the arrow, 
apparently the whole water starts becoming hot, hot. and boiling huh? right and uh, lakshmana is the one who starts getting scared seeing this phenomenon because he find, he senses that the beings in the ocean are becoming uncomfortable because in fear of rama's arrow the ocean starts getting heated up right i mean you can imagine what will happen if he releases the arrow itself even before he has released it it already started boiling like a preheating in the microwave that happens <laughs> and sagara comes and says that you know i have got so many beings to support and lord you also know that this is an opportunity this is not the way the script is i mean this is not what sagara is saying but this is possibly what sagara is praying in his mind because Sagar also is aware of the script and he says he reminds Rama actually and tells him that in your army are two engineers Nala and Neela we mentioned these names these are the names that Shuka takes up in front of Ravana also he says that these two monkeys have got a curse and the reason for the curse also he narrates the story these two were so mischievous that in their childhood uh, they would keep running about the hermitage and keep taking the saligrama saligrama is the representation of the linga the shivalinga it's a stone oval stone it's similar to the linga but representation of lord vishnu oh yeah yeah i'm so sorry i'm so sorry yes representation of lord vishnu i said shiva right yeah looks like the linga it's like an oval like, stone similar to the linga ha uh, it's it's egg shaped i think you know one one side is little uh, narrow the other side is little broad okay. and this kind of smooth stone spherical one uh, not spherical oval in shape they would uh, toss it into the r- river they would keep throwing it into the river that is when the hermits and the sages curse these nala and neela and tell them that whatever you throw in the water will not sink it will <laughs> always float so almost like protecting themselves <laughs> it will not uh, sink and it will remain where it is and it will float right. so when it floats it's easy that in case they these to do some mischief also you can <laughs> retrieve the saligrama that has been thrown right and uh, sagara reminds rama about nala and neela and tells him that see now this is an opportunity where that curse becomes a blessing that curse also has been cast on them in order that they can aid you in this mission so if you dry me up oh rama if you dry me up you will be depriving two beings of the very purpose of their lives the very purpose of their lives is to assist you in this divine mission so please so please don't go by this way you use their help i will provide all the assistance i can to ensure that this bridge remains in place nala and neela can build a bridge because whatever they cast into the ocean will not sink it will float so you can use their help to build a bridge across me i shall provide all the necessary uh, facilities that is required in the sense uh, sagara promises that there are several reptiles and dangerous creatures living in the depths i shall ensure that none of them gives any trouble to your army or the bridge building which can go on peacefully that is the promise sagara makes and when we look at this whole episode it just feels like the whole thing is part of the master plan and it's just proceeding everything else is drama and acting you know and that is done in order to leave a profound message for all of us so when when sagara tells this rama says okay i agree that's a good idea that's a good plan but you know once i take an arrow i can't put it back i can't put it back right. so tell me i have to release it now again this is not there in the ramkatha savahini but in the original valmiki ramayana sagara tells that along my northernmost point there 
drinking my waters are people of a land that is very wicked mm-hmm. all the people there are wicked they are robbers they are thieves they do not follow dharma at all i feel ashamed i feel humiliated that they use my waters i feel defiled i feel polluted so please please direct your arrow northwards and uh, it is said that the place where rama directs his arrow and it falls it becomes the maru desert that's how it is referred to in the valmiki ramayana and if we check the place today it is that place in rajasthan you know in the region of jaisalmer the entire part is a desert okay. and uh, that is what has happened so it is said that the entire desert was created because of the impact of rama's arrow instead of drying up uh, the ocean it dried up a piece of land and that is where the great indian desert is it's amazing because you know india is possibly the only country in the world which has all kinds of ecosystems from the wettest to the snowiest to the driest to the coldest to everything you know it's amazing and without this without this india's ecosystem would have been incomplete anyway that is what has ha- that is what happens and rama directs his arrow towards the north and in the region of jaisalmer in rajasthan it forms the maru desert which is part of the thar desert in india today and after that sagara bows to rama and takes a leave and rama now begins to plan out the work of building the bridge another interesting observation is you know here we talk about nala and neela interestingly in the valmiki ramayana there is no mention of neela the oh. mention is only about nala okay the mention is just that there is nala who can do this who has this ability and even the story about uh, you know that curse, yeah it's not there in the valmiki, valmiki ramayana it is only spoken of as nala is actually one of the sons of vishwakarma you know the, uh, the uh, celestial architect mm. so you know the uh, the ocean gives the idea that he is capable of doing this he should do it but interestingly you know if swami has mentioned it this is definitely how the story is nala and nila and you know who has mentioned nala and nila first it is actually tulsidas in his tulsi ramayan you know when uh-huh. you spoke about uh, devotees who come now and say that we could not relate to swami and you know we have come in a point in time where swami is no more physically around imagine valmiki was a contemporary of rama he did not give the complete story the story which you know tulsidas gave which was centuries later is more complete and swami is referring to you know swami's ramayan is in uh, concurrence with what tulsi ramayan is you know that itself is a is a perfect example to, for what you said that when you are able to connect with the lord within you know time does just different definitely does not matter because kulsi ramayan is more accurate in that sense than even valmiki ramayan and so the bridge building planning is about to start but i think at this point we'll again pause and go back to ravana's quote because i think we have left the shuka ravana dialogue incomplete there we had said before the break that ravana is going to explode and i think before we take the next break we should we should explain what happens in that explosion ravana explodes in anger at shuka and he tells he compares shuka to a titri bird the titri bird titri bird sorry the titri bird apparently has this fear that the sky is going to fall on my head <laughs> and therefore it keeps shielding its fledglings and uh, ravana compares shuka to the titri bird and he says like that foolish bird which keeps thinking that the sky will fall on my head and keeps going about in fear that is how you are leading your life will the sky ever fall on the heads it will never happen so too your fears are all unfounded and he says that you are also a traitor you know you are supposed to be on my side but you are uh, support you seem to be supporting rama who on whose side are you 
that is when shuka makes a final attempt in all his humility and love he he pleads with ravana he says it's not that i'm not on your side uh, it is because i'm on your side that i i'm telling you this please please return mother sita it'll all be fine it'll all be well you know the same thing that vibhishna had told a few days before shuka tells but ravana does the same thing that he did a few days ago he gets wild on shuka and kicks him out of the kingdom and he says you are another ungrateful wretch you don't deserve to be here you leave this kingdom this moment or be ready to face death and so we see a repeat happening the same thing shuka is telling the same thing ravana is doing and in response to that shuka once again does the same thing as what vibhishna did he travels back across the ocean goes to lord rama and surrenders at his feet and for the fourth time if i am allowed to say rama does the same thing <laughs> where he gives refuge to shuka and shuka therefore becomes a person in the party of lord rama's camp he too joins in along with the vanaras in the planning and execution of the bridge and how that happens again has some beautiful stories involved in it dear listeners we will come to that after this little break enjoy this song in the meanwhile
Welcome back dear listeners we are in that point where they are about to start building the bridge and as we said the the god of that ocean it's himself points out nala and nila and tells them that they have this ability where when they throw some things onto water it doesn't sink it floats so you know uh, it is hinted to lord rama that this curse can be used as a blessing at this point and they can build this bridge and because nala and nila are more than happy to be of use in this process they come forward and now this now they have to find objects to be thrown into the ocean because 100 yojanas you know that's a real long distance and to be able to find rocks and boulders to put all through that path and you know going by the numbers which was mentioned 18 padmas you know that many people have to walk across this bridge may monkeys and bears right so that's that's the width of the bridge which had to be built and so it is decided that all these monkeys will go into the landmass right into the indian subcontinent and start plucking out peaks and hillocks and pass it on from one one to the other which finally you know nala and nila will throw into the water and they will start making the bridge and you know i was i used to just wonder uh, because we hear of stories uh, like almost till the north of india from there they are plucking out peaks and sending it you know for building the bridge and the way it is mentioned is they made this chain where they pass on these mountains and hillocks and boulders to build a bridge so i used to wonder as to how can you form such a huge chain i mean i used to think that possibly each monkey would run for 3 kilometers carrying a <laughs> mountain or boulder but recently having read the number you know <laughs> 16 18 padmas yes you can form a human chain right, you can form a monkey chain 100 crore crores something yeah, like that much that, right, that, right. that, that, that much 15 right 10 to the power of 15 yes that's one padma yes it <laughs> goes into trillions and so you can definitely form the chain so uh, in the ramkatha rasavahini swami has written that but you know the devotees have their own way of eulogizing their lord or seeing their lord in a beautiful light and so poet poets present the same thing in beautiful ways and so i think it's it will not be out of place to just uh, go into another version of the ramayana where the poet says that uh, of course nala and nila are throwing the rocks which are floating but you know they would float and they would float away they would float in different directions how is it that you bind them and keep them together so that you can build a bridge you know a coherent single bridge and the poet writes that hanuman comes up with the idea saying that rama's name is such write ra on one of the rocks ma on the other rock and then rama has to remain rama always therefore the two rocks will come together and stick and he writes that in it is in this manner they ensured that all the rocks stick to each other and the bridge to lanka is formed you know when i read this story this poet story i had read it long back the question that would often come in my mind is but how is it that okay two rocks stuck to each other rama there are two others that are stuck rama how did these two and the other two stick to each other so then i thought possibly on those two together ra was written on this ma was written and they stuck so a four rock set is formed so on again you take two four rock sets and write ra on one ma on one you get a eight rock set again on two eight you know this way this is this was my imagination today i realized that when the poet writes it like this it is his way of saying that though this bridge was being built by boulders and rocks and twigs and what not trees it 
actually was a bridge built on the Lord's name. Because all the Vanaras, they are incessantly chanting Rama's name. And the poet also, I think, points out saying that this is a miracle that became possible because of the Lord's name. It's not because of the Vanaras, it's not because of their might, it's not because of the ocean, it's not because of anything. It's because of the Lord's name. But the Lord is such that He always gives credit to His devotees. We have seen Swami do that. You know, Swami says, no, this was not built, this was, this is a person, He felicitates people. He says that these are the people He, we have seen that happening in Sai Kulvanthal, multiple times, seniors working as staff in the hospital, in the trust, they've all been felicitated by Swami. When all of us in our hearts know the truth that it is Swami who does everything, others are just but instruments. Yet, the Lord felicitates. In the same way, Lord Rama gives credit to all. But, in order to remind everyone that it is the Lord's name that has done this, I think the poet has written in this manner. So, therefore, uh, this is another beautiful story that has that is often quoted about how uh, Ra and Ma were written on different boulders so that they stick together and this bridge to Lanka is formed. Right, and in, in the same in the similar manner, there's another story which uh, is often narrated, which is also very sweet. And you know, again, it's the idea behind the story or the message which is trying to be conveyed. You know, seeing all these Vanras uh, build this uh, huge bridge. Thing, I mean, as we as, as we said before, peaks and hills are being brought and thrown into the water, and it's all floating. I mean, it's you can't even imagine. You know, if it's happening in front of your eyes, what a sight it would be and apparently it seems Lord Rama is standing there and seeing this whole thing happen and he's saying you know what a wonder it is how is it that these stones are floating <laughs> so apparently he silently goes to the shore and he picks up a small rock and throws into the water and instantly it sinks so he's saying you know what a wonder it is that these people are able to accomplish this and apparently Hanuman sees this from behind and he sees that you know what uh, Rama is trying to do and he comes up to him and says that Lord there is no way that rock which you throw into the water is going to float. Then uh, Rama says, how is that? You know, how is Nala and Nila able to, I mean, of course, the story behind the curse and all is that. But why after all, such a small rock, why is it not floating? No, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, because it's a poet's imagination, it's like a rock carrying my name floats. Right, right. But I myself am putting a rock and it is sinking. What? What's happening, you know? It's my name that's holding the bridge together there. Right. And me, myself, I'm putting one small rock in the ocean and it's not floating. I mean, it's, it's almost like Rama suffers a bout of low self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's when Hanuman explains it so beautifully. He says, Lord, anybody who has been dropped by you, how can he ever float? You know, it could even be a rock. But if dropped by you, that person has to sink. And therefore, Lord never let go of anyone and the Lord never lets go of any one of us. He always holds us. He never drops us. He always helps us to float. And again, it's very symbolic here. You know, there are so many metaphors possible here, so many similes possible. No wonder it has inspired a plethora of poets to write about this. The ocean can be compared to the ocean of worldly existence, the Bhavasagara, and how the Lord's name helps you float. Even though you're a rock, you, are, you float on the Lord's name. At the same time, if if it so happens that you let go of the Lord or the Lord lets go of you, then nothing can save you. You are bound to sink as it happened with the rock that Rama threw. Again, that is another story that is 
kavi kalpana which is the imagination of the poet and the imagination of the poet is not without a reason it conveys a beautiful message it conveys a beautiful story so that is what happens and the bridge building goes on as we said from all over the indian subcontinent rocks are brought and uh, it takes 5 days to build the bridge it is said on the first day 14 yojanas are covered on the second day 20 yojanas on the third day 21 fourth day 22 and fifth day 23 so it is 14 20 21 22 23 that is how so it each day it's like almost the enthusiasm is growing again i feel this is symbolic you see when you do any tough task you will see that your productivity is maximum on day 1 day 2 is lesser day 3 is lesser day 4 it keeps dropping because it gets fatiguing but in this case you see 14 20 21 22 23 with each day the enthusiasm is increasing again points out if you add up 14 20 21 22 23 it comes to 100 yojanas so if you look a little deeper you realize that when you're working for the lord your enthusiasm keeps increasing as the workload increases that's another miracle that the lord does right and eventually on the fifth day when the the bridge is completed the message is passed to lord rama saying that the bridge has been completed so he, immediately he sends word you know as we as we said there are these vanaras all across this indian subcontinent who are plucking uh, peaks and hills and throwing it and passing it around so lord rama immediately sends word that tell all the vanaras to place whatever they are having in their hands you know whichever hill or boulder or whatever it is wherever they are and to take rest wherever they are for mm-hmm. a day or so and then come to you know the shores of the peninsula where they they will start embarking on this journey and at this point it is said that hanuman is there in what was going to be later known as brindavan i think that should be right in gujarat right right brindavan uh, uttar pradesh Uttar Pradesh, Uttar Pradesh. Uh, all right right on top I mean that's just across Near the uh, the subcontinent and that is where when he keeps one mountain down he realizes that the mountain starts sobbing and uh, in fact Swami himself mentions this in the Ramakatha Swayani I didn't I, I mean I don't remember reading it in this part of the story of course you've heard it from Swami many times Swami mentions it in the, in the Ramakatha Swayani itself this episode where you know this boulder starts crying and saying that alas i have lost this opportunity hill to be ha uh, hill starts crying right this hill starts crying i have lost this opportunity to be a part of lord's mission so immediately hanuman comes to rama and you know he is so thrilled seeing this uh, response of this hill and he says that this is what happened and then rama tells don't worry just go and tell this hill that when i come back in the next yuga i will hold it up in my hands for seven full days right and uh, the moment you tell this the you know the hill will rejoice don't worry and swami says that that was the hill which became the govardhana hill in the dwapariyuga and uh, you know it goes to show how much of all these avataric missions are preplanned you know everything is <laughs> perfectly in place so much for uh, <laughs> indra's ego <laughs> exactly yeah, it was bound to happen it was right it was already written in the treta yuga itself and See, it's amazing when Rama tells all the Vanaras to rest. If Hanuman is up there, um, you know, it's this Mat, this Brindavan is almost in line with Ayodhya, right? You know, uh, in in terms of the uh, latitude lines, if you see, <laughs> it comes that much north, that distance from there they are plucking. So naturally, they will need rest if they have to come back. And uh, the Govardhana hill is placed there, and as Swami says, uh, the promise given. 
by Rama is fulfilled. In fact, later we shall see another such promise also. Uh, I just hope that I don't forget it, so I am stating it on air. Mm-hmm. Uh, the promise that Jambavan seeks, uh, saying that Rama, I want to wrestle right. with you. Right. That happens at the end of the war. So we see quite a lot of promises given during the Rama Avatar, which was fulfilled during the Krishna Avatar, which shows that, of course, there may be delays, but they are never denials. When the Once the Lord gives the word, Janmas may pass, eras may pass, eons may change, but, but the word will be fulfilled. There's nothing to worry about that. That's the thing. And so that is how the bridge is built and they're all ready to cross over. But I think before we conclude today's satsang, Prem, just one little point that we missed, very interesting, mm-hmm. is uh, two two dialogues or two statements that the Vanaras make to Lord Rama okay. during the bridge being built. One of it is... I, I feel it is important to mention it because because it shows the devotion and love that they have at the same time gives us a message. One of the things is that Vanara says that, Lord, when you are taking us across the Bhavasagara, across the ocean of worldly existence, mundane existence itself, is it a big deal for you to take us across this ocean? You know, you were saying that uh, monkeys are mortally scared of water. It is this kind of faith that they have in Rama that when he is taking us across Bhavasagara, what is this ocean? After all, what is this? Just a little worldly ocean. That is what makes them overcome their fear. That is possibly what is meant by Abhayam. We call it Abhaya Hasta. Abhaya actually means non-fear. Hasta means hand. The hand that confers fearlessness. So this is that Abhaya that comes from the Lord's hand when we offer our faith and love to him. That is one thing. And the other uh, dialogue which I was mentioning is what Jambavan, the emperor of the bear army, makes to Rama. He says, Rama, with your one arrow, you can dry up. You can dry up this whole ocean. But then Rama, that ocean will not get dried up. No need to worry because it is going to get filled again with salt water that comes as the tears of the widows of Lanka. So, again, it's a beautiful uh, literary technique where uh, Swami gives an idea of what is impending, what is going to happen also. At the same time, it's a very uh, poetic manner, a poetic way of describing the gory battle that is going to take place. So, these were uh, two little little anecdotes that happened while the bridge is being built and Swami has mentioned in the Ramkatha. I just thought we'll mention that before we conclude uh, this afternoon satsang. Right. Probably another thing which strikes me is, you know, when you say that they go right up to Mathura Vrindavan and, you know, that's, that is the assembly line which is formed, you know, that's how far it is. It's, when you look at it, it's hundred, it's for hundred yojanas, hundred miles is what has to be crossed and you're talking about a distance of two thousand kilometers, you know, that's how much it takes. Probably the message is, you know, that distance on land was nothing for the monkeys. You know, for mm. them to travel that land and do that is nothing much. But for this, for them, this hundred yojanas of water was something which was so scary for them. So it's almost like the Lord saying that do what you can and what you cannot, I will make you do it. You know, you don't have to worry about your you know, inabilities. That I will make you do it, but what you can do it, I, mean, I think that's precisely what all of us are doing. You know, when we get into a job, when we get into seva or whatever it is, Whatever is within our ability to do, you know, we have 24 hours in a day and we say, Swami, we will offer a few minutes of this to you in prayer, in service, in whatever it is, which is within our ability. You know, it's not beyond us. 
but as you said you know crossing the bahusagra is something which is definitely not something which we can accomplish on our own and so i'm saying that for that don't worry i will take you across do what you can what you cannot i will make you do it and you know prem i know i i had promised that we are concluding with this but i'm <laughs> making one more statement here so that we definitely have to take it up in the next ramkatha fortnight you know i got reminded of it when you said we do what we can and the lord will take care of the rest i remembered the story of the squirrel which is so important yeah, yeah. you know can we forget it it is not there in the ramkatha rasavani but it's another beautiful poetic uh, story which we can't afford to miss so possibly in the fortnight after the coming fortnight when we take up ramkatha again we will go to this bridge building with the story of the little squirrel because uh, though we can narrate that little story uh, that story has connections to one brother sai brother who has had an amazing experience with swami so i thought it will be good to mention them in tandem so we'll begin the next uh, ramkatha satsang with the story of the squirrel so with that dear listeners the bridge is built and uh, we, we we conclude the ramkatha fortnight the next fortnight we will continue with our navvida bhakti marga i think we had completed shravanam kirtanam we will be taking up vishnu smaranam the third path or the third mode but till then it is sairam from both of us here we offer this effort of ours at the lotus feet of swami we thank him and don't know what else to say sadly english has only that word thank we thank him for being the thinker of our thoughts being the speaker of our words for inspiring us and doing everything we just feel very indebted to him we are grateful to him and we offer this at his lotus feet dear listener hope uh, you enjoyed this your feedbacks as always are welcome you can write to us at listener@radiosai.org so till we meet again next week it's sairam from us uh, on the other side of uh, the song that you're about to hear now you will be greeted by brother chandu with his segment love to love so enjoy this song keep thinking of swami keep feeling his love in your heart and let each day that each moment that we spend in each day be a moment of gratitude for our dear swami <laughs>